0: Hello there, what you're about to hear is a preview of this week's premium episode of It's Just Banter. These are the episodes where Jake and I will feature our political opinions and also a lot of the regular stuff they're used to from the Tuesday episodes. If you would like to hear this episode in full, along with the entire backlog of previous episodes of this kind that we've already recorded, go to patreon.com slash it's just banter, all one word. It's only five bucks a month. That five bucks helps us to be able to dedicate a little bit more time in our lives to the podcast. It also just makes our lives better because people enjoy life more when they have more money. So think about signing up, and either way, please enjoy this preview. Welcome, folks. This is T.C. Fleming here with Jake Kemp, and we have a guest this time. It's Stephen Monticelli. Stephen, welcome. Howdy. How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. Stephen is a journalist here. People who are uh, big fans of the T.C. Fleming expanded universe.
1: He's the more successful products... As described by the Dallas Observer?
0: Yeah, yeah. The ones good enough to be in the Observer. Uh, those, those folks who know those uh, know that I talked to Stephen about local issues on our local politics podcast a couple months back. Uh, but now he's, he's seen Q up close, and uh, we want to know what it's like. When, when did Q walk in? Well, I guess uh, is the
2: big kind of question. Uh, I, I have a surprise for the, the audience. It's when I walked in. Uh, I am Q. So <laughs> oh, boy, every time nice. I look in the mirrors when I say
1: Q. This was a great idea. That would make this our second biggest interview ever conducted in this
2: room. Uh, you, you put McAfee first. John McAfee's got to be number one. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I would agree. I, I would agree, too. I would agree. But he might be a fan of mine. So yeah, I would think, yeah, certainly an awareness. If he's not a fan, it's because he's jealous. <sighs> you know, there can only be one cue, right? But where we go one, we go all, is the saying that they <laughs> really like and put all over the advertisements. So uh, it was a trip. No, I I, I jest. Um I you know don't think that he or they or whatever was there, but uh, they were certainly the one of the main topics of discussion at this uh, four day event this past weekend.
1: Okay, so I want to know the story of like how you first become aware of this because I know that it, when it was described by like the morning news, they didn't even mention uh, the Q element of it at all. Right, it's just a, a conservative.
0: Because, yeah, for the normal people in the audience, there there was a big Q convention this weekend. <laughs>
2: yeah. And yeah. Stephen was there. In right. Dallas, right, yeah. Right, right. So uh, you'd mentioned the Dallas Observer. Uh, they were really the only ones paying any lick of attention to what this was and that it was coming. Uh, Jacob Vaughn, in particular, he's a staff writer there. He had written a series of great articles about this event coming to town in advance, uh, and had even uh, written about you know how Gillies, which was the original venue, had backed out. Um, so I write for the Observer sometimes, and so I follow their work. And when I saw that that was happening, I immediately knew what it was about. And I'd been exposed to the general Q anon phenomenon and movement well before that. There's a really great. HBO series on the subject, if you're totally unfamiliar and you've got HBO Max or whatever, go check that out. Uh, Nobody listening to this is in any way unfamiliar. Okay. We've we've spent...
1: Dozens of episodes, I would say, over the past two to three years.
0: Yeah, someone recently asked for us to send uh, our Q episode. Okay, so like, like I, I don't know. Here, what to do here's
1: with the, the, the whole website.
2: Yeah, just <laughs> just listen to <laughs> go the back podcast. to the last
1: two to three years, so we don't have to do too much catch-up type stuff. Okay, so you don't have perfect. To worry about that,
2: perfect. So you know, basically, that's that's what alerted me to the fact that it was coming, and you know, to your to your point, Jake. Uh, some folks I, I don't think were either paying attention or they hadn't done their research because that article in the Dallas Morning News, you would have no idea what this convention was if you had just read that article. Um, and so the real thing that made me want to go was that I saw a pretty prolific QAnon critic slash, uh, you know, podcaster who's been following this and documenting it. He goes by the name Travis View. That's a pseudonym, and he runs this podcast called Q Anonymous. Uh, podcast and so he had been rejected from attending he had bought a ticket and they basically said nope sorry you're not nice enough to us so uh, you can't come and when I saw that I thought to myself oh okay well maybe I should go because it's in my backyard why not Um and I, I tried to get a press pass, but they saw that I had retweeted his post, and so they rejected me. <laughs> and I've, I've previously written for both The Observer and The Daily Beast, and both of them have folks that have covered it pretty extensively. Uh, so after that, i asked, okay, can I buy a ticket? And they said, oh, well, yeah, we'll probably not let you in. And then I made it e- explicit. I said, okay, so you're saying I can't come? And they said, Yes. Uh, they actually said it sardonically. They said, oh, you're more perceptive uh, in real life than on social media, which is a very ironic comment for a number of reasons, <laughs> uh, because I ended up you know, having someone uh, buy a ticket on my behalf, and then I walked in and had no issue uh, being there for the remainder of the conference.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I was following your uh, tweets about this over the weekend, and I have just been tickled by uh your disguise that was able to so effectively dupe them i don't i don't want to steal your thunder so please uh give us the the many multi-layered mm-hmm. uh, several step uh
2: process you used to get by these uh sensors uh i shaved <laughs> and then i just kind of dressed the part i i, I tried to you know kind of fit in uh and that wasn't very hard the guy we're looking for has
1: facial hair and he does it so i'm gonna let him go see the problem is if i were trying to do this i would have been so taken by the idea of the of the disguise that i would have ended up like when the always sunny episode where charlie is a cowboy like an oil man (laughs) (laughs) like
2: i would have gone way too over the top i I almost (laughs) did (laughs) yeah i almost wore a cowboy hat and cowboy (laughs) boots but the person who got my ticket they had checked it out before they handed it off. And I asked them, like, what's the vibe? What do people look like? Would I stand out if I dressed like this? And he was like, oh, yeah, there's, there's not as many people wearing cowboy hats as you might think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just kind of you know, wore a blazer. And uh, the second day, I just dressed down and, you know, tried to fit in more so with the casual vibe of most of the attendees. Um, I was nervous because I do have pretty thick eyebrows, which you can't really do anything about that. Um, and as, as one commenter posted on my tweets I'm one of the most I'm a journalist looking motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the planet, and <laughs> so uh, I was. Remember, you tell the hairstylist, "Just give me the give journalist." Me the, the, give me the big J. Well, funny enough, there are several people who are journalists uh, in the area that all go to the same barber as I do. Uh, <laughs> I've known him since high school, but you know, he used to barber downtown, and he moved to Grapevine, and people still go out to get haircuts with him. Shouts out to Close Knit Barber Shop. But I, I digress. Um, Second day I wore a hat, so I guess maybe that helped, but I often wear hats like that anyway. Uh, my girlfriend was like, Stephen, you basically are dressed normally uh, like you might normally dress. And so uh, it was a bit of a Clark Kent kind of situation, I would say. You know, No one knows that it's Superman, but he just fucking took off his glasses. In my yeah. case, I just put on some like different glasses because I, I can't see without them. Uh, so, uh, that, that was a bit of a, a laugh riot. I mean, I'm not the most well-known journalist in the world, so I didn't expect them to know who I was, necessarily.
0: But it seems like if they're promising you there's no way you'll ever get in here, then, uh, you yeah, know, that, that implies that they're going to make some effort. And whatever. Uh, it's not like uh, being blustery. It, w- it wouldn't be the first time a key Q-related thing had,
1: you know, said things that they then didn't back up. But uh,
2: Yeah, that's a bit of a pattern with them, I'd yeah. say.
1: But as far as like, so when you get in, you say you kind of tried to fit the general vibe more than just your appearance. I also think I would have had a problem with this. I think I would have just been way too trying to fit in, like starting conversations about adrenochrome. Yeah, and, I've seen you do it. It wouldn't go.
0: Yeah, uh, no, okay.
1: I, yeah like I'll, I would have been way too try hard. I think of last July 4th
0: weekend when we were uh, we were on the lake. So this isn't the exact same kind of thing, but just every single boat that would come within shouting distance,
1: Jake would just yell, I love Trump too. Yeah, I would give a a nice hell yeah brother at the boat parade. I don't parade. think that they bought you. I don't, I, don't I, I think, don't think, think that, that any of them felt like it was a compliment. I think you're probably right. So did you have to sort of try to feign any conversations with people that were beyond just pleasantries?
2: Uh, certainly. Yeah. I, I didn't really try to initiate too much because I, I wanted to be as much of an observer fly on the wall sort of person as I could be. Uh, but there were instances where, yeah, you know, I'd be sitting down with some folks or, you know, during the lunch breaks in particular, someone might sit next to me or I might sit across from someone and We just get to the pleasantries, which would sometimes quickly devolve into a discussion of, you know, the global communist cabal that's threatening the world. Yeah. Um, How could you talk about anything else? Yeah. Right. Right. And and so, you know, I just really uh, gave myself the most basic white person name possible as a backstory. I gave a vague... You know, thing about being some sort of consultant that no one would really ask much about after I, you know, said e-commerce, and then uh, I just kind of went from there. I would ask people, you know, what brought you here? You know, what kind of speakers were you excited to see? Uh, were there any, you know, talking points or you know, uh, narratives or anything like that that they were really interested in? I wouldn't ask it necessarily in that way, you know, trying to just get people to open up a bit. And they would ask me, oh, why are you here? Or Who did you come to see? And I would just make sure I had someone in mind, you know, just to be able to pull it out and then kind of turn it back around. And I'd had enough uh, exposure to some of the, you know, phrases and talking points and common concepts and narratives that are, popular in this movement. And so I would just be able to, at the surface level, mention something and then ask them, you know, what do you think? You know, what about you? Uh, And that did lead to some pretty interesting conversations. Uh, It wasn't always immediately, you know, uh, unhinged and off the walls. You know, a lot of these people seemed borderline normal sometimes and very friendly. Uh, pretty much across the board. I guess they assumed I was one of them. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, that almost makes it a little more strange that some of these people can be, you know, just your everyday seeming kind of normal people and yet uh, be really into a conference where people are talking about uh, pedophilic cannibalism.
0: I mean, I think it speaks to, like, the absolute hunger and desire for a community in today's modern world. Mm, mm. Like, you know, I... I think that it's, it's important to be around other people. It's harder and harder to do. I think it's clear that we do less of it than people did in the 50s, 60s, etc. Um, and so, yeah, if I got to say that I believe in blood-sucking lizards to get some people to hang out with me, then fuck, dude.
2: Well, and there's a dynamic there, I think, that really uh, speaks to your point, which is that a lot of these folks would say, uh, especially the speakers, but I think it's a common thing within the movement that people will describe having lost...